Amen. Good morning. Uh, one quick note before we get into 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Um, it was kind of missed this morning. There is next Sunday night. Does anybody care about the Super Bowl anymore? I don't. I really don't care. But we're going to have a time where we can get together, have soup and fellowship, and then have this, you know, the game on the screen and then leave whenever we want to because nobody cares. Um, but uh, can you tell my feelings on the, on the matter? It'd be different if somebody else was in the Super Bowl. But there is a sign-up, so if you guys are willing to sign up for it and then you know, bring soups, it's time for us to get together, spend more time together as a church family, uh, invite friends, invite neighbors, have a good time. Um, and, um, and then watch the game, I guess. Is me. The halftime show will be shut off at the same time when it happens, okay? So just to give everybody a heads up. Anyway, so if you have questions on that, you could talk to Jason. He's sitting in the back over there. Okay, so back to 1 Corinthians. The broader context of this book, the broader context of 1 Corinthians focuses on the spiritual maturity of the church. So when we say Purity, we don't mean ethnically pure or making sure that everybody's wearing the, the right outfits or anything like that. It's, just, it's spiritual purity. What does it mean to be faithful? What does it mean for the church to be faithful to the will of God, to his desires, to his commands? So that's when we talk about purity of the church, that's what we're talking about specifically. So how is the church of God living a life dedicated to spreading the good news of, the, of salvation from the wrath of God for our sinful rebellion against him. A salvation that doesn't come through works, but by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ alone. How faithful are we as a church, or in this case, he's writing to the Corinthians, reminding them, how faithful are you being to that? Are you a pure church? Are you being faithful to the will and the desires and the call and the commands of God? And specifically, the gospel message. Because there is no salvation found in living a good life or in our attempts to obey the commands of God as laid out in His Word. In other words, legalism or moralism. If I'm just a good person, God will be happy and let me in. Or if I can just follow what he says in here perfectly, then I will be saved. And the problem is, is we can't do either of those things. We're lost. Good morals and good attempts at obedience do not make good for, for a good salvation. It's a horrible salvation because you never live up to what God demands of you. But for those who repent of their sinful rebellion against God and they put their trust fully in the work and the power of Jesus Christ upon the cross, salvation is not only found, but it is given freely by God. But this free gift does, not, uh, does come at a cost because a life saved by Christ is a changed life. It's a transformed life. A life that once hoped in, in this world is now filled with the hope of Christ. The things of this world which captivated us are now like sand in the mouth. That which was of greatest importance to us is now demoted, is forgotten. And a life that was devoted to fulfilling our own selfish ambitions, cravings, and desires now strives to submit to the ambitions, ambitions cravings, and desires of 
God. Specifically and ultimately, the glory of himself and the spreading of his gospel message to an unbelieving world. A Christian life is a transformed life. A Christian life is a countercultural life. And as we looked last week, we talked about marriage and singleness and how the attitude of the Christian is very different or should be very different from the world around them because that marriage or that single life or that widowed life is, is focused and dependent upon Christ and living out the mandate, the call to spread the gospel message and to give Him glory. And so in our passage this morning, Paul writes of two different lives of the Christian that are actually inseparable from one another, and both of which are from God. Now, remember, this, this book is written to, 1 Corinthians is written to believers. This is to a believing church. So he's not concerned, he's reminding them of their salvation, but he's not trying to save them. They're already saved. And he said that, you are my brothers, you are, you are my sisters in Christ. And so he's trying to remind them, as, as Christians, you have two different lives. He says in verse 17, Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him or to which God has call, and to which God has called him. So if you're like me, I wouldn't have given much, much thought to the difference between assigned and called. Are they the same? And Paul says, no. According to God's word, every Christian is a, assigned a different life than their fellow believer, but every Christian has the same calling. So do you hear the distinction between that? That's my hope. When we walk away from here, we would understand what is the life that God has assigned to me, and there's a lot of weight behind that one word, and then what is my calling as a Christian? Paul uses the words assigned and conditioned interchangeably. We see this in verse 17, but also in verse 20 and 24, where the distinction from called is made more clearly. He says, each one should remain in the condition in which he is called, or in whatever condition each was called. So there's, there's a clear distinction between those two. So what, what is the believer's assignment? What is the believer's condition? And Paul uses an analogy to help the Corinthians better understand his meaning. Was anyone circumcised or uncircumcised at the time of his calling? And as I always say, when it comes to that word, ask your parents. As you just love every Sunday. I just throw the parents under the bus all the time. This isn't about the physical act of circumcision, but what that act represents. The Jews were circumcised. The Gentiles were uncircumcised. But in Christ those ethnic boundaries are destroyed. Were you a Jew at the time of your calling? Well, then don't seek to become like a Gentile. Were you a Gentile at the time of your calling? Don't seek to become like a Jew. He, he said the same thing, very similar in the, in the last passage we looked at. Basically, it's not wrong to get married, but it's also not wrong to be single. What don't seek to become what you're not. So don't seek to become a Jew, and neither should a Jew can, uh, or seek to become a Gentile because Jew or Gentile, Paul says, counts for nothing. Now, he doesn't say that here. He says that actually in the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. 
There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ. Now, he's not saying here, forget your history. Ignore the fact that you're a man or a woman. Ignore the fact that you're a slave or free. He's not saying that that's not important at all. He's saying it counts for nothing in one way, in a very specific way, because you are all one in Christ. Those distinctions, those worldly, earthly distinctions that we make amongst each other, in the eyes of God, he's not holding us to that standard. He doesn't look at that. That's not what is important to the Christian. Or in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, for in Christ neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. And so then Paul gives a, a second analogy. He goes from Jew and Gentile. They, it counts for nothing in our salvation. And then he says, was anyone a slave when you were called? Was anyone free when called? He said, and I love this phrase, don't be concerned about it. Don't become anxious about it. Why? Because the Christian slave of this world is actually in Christ free. And the Christian who is free in this world is actually a slave to the Lord. And the Christian social status in this world is nothing to be concerned about because worldly status counts for nothing in the end. We all die and we all end up the same color, dust. Nothing matters earthwise in the end. Those things that we hold so high are worldly status. So is it sinful for a slave to seek freedom to change their social status or anyone to change their social status? He says, no. In fact, one should take the opportunity if it rises. If you're a slave, then you become free. There's nothing wrong with that, but it doesn't change the fact that social status counts as nothing towards a Christian's calling. Paul points, points out that the Corinthian church's condition as slave or free, Jew or Gentile, male, male, married or single, they are assigned to them by God. Meaning that though it is not necessarily a sin to take the opportunity to change one's social status, the Christian needs to bear in mind that it was by God's sovereignty that they are where they are. Now that's, that preaches really well. It's not received all that well, right, <laughs> at times. Really? This is, this is what you've given me? Are you, he says, are you free? Are, are the Corinthians Gentiles? Are they single? And he says, this is the life that God has assigned to you. So it should be a comfort to know that by God's sovereign plan, you are where you are, Corinthians. But even so, no matter what life the Corinthians are assigned, they are to lead the life to which God has called them. Now, I'm going to bring these two together in the end, okay? So what is this, what is this calling? Well, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, married or single, the believer in Jesus Christ has the same calling. He says three times, Remain in the condition in which he was called, or you were called. You were, a, were, were you a slave when called? He who was free when called. And all of these point to a, a calling as something that comes from outside of the Christian. It does not come from, from their own will or desires. 
And then verse 22 gives us something a little more. He says, for, for he, that is a slave who was called in the Lord, is a freedman of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a slave of Christ. And so to be called is to be made free by the Lord and to be made a slave of Christ. And we're no longer bound to the things of this world. We're not slaves anymore to the things of man. We are slaves to God. The Corinthian believers, no matter their status in this world, are all called to the same calling. They are all equal recipients of the grace of God through salvation in Christ. It does not come more to the Jews than the Gentiles or more to men than women. They are all equal in receiving His grace. They are all adopted as sons and daughters of the creator of the universe. They all receive the same salvation, the same glory, the same Holy Spirit, the same blessings. But to be called to the same calling also means that the commands of God are to be met, kept. And though perhaps accomplished in different ways, and wherever you are assigned, he says, the calling is the same. Glorify God in your bodies by spreading the gospel message in whatever condition God has assigned to you. Are you rich? Are you poor? Are you black? Are you white? Are you young? Are you old? Are you a plumber? Are you the CEO of a major corporation? For the one who who believes, for, for we who are saved by Christ, all of that counts for nothing in the end. Faithfulness to the life to which God has called us is what counts to God. Remain with Him, He says at the end. Remain with God. Remain with Him in whatever condition or assignment He has given us. Obey His desires and spread the truth of His gospel in an unbelieving world, keep his commandments. And one of his most famous commandments, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you or obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Like the Corinthian church, the things of this world can cause us to lose sight of our calling as His people. We begin to focus more on ourselves, working to improve our social or economic status in the eyes of this world. But these words from God are, remi- are a reminder that our focus needs to be not on those things, Again, it's not a sin to pursue those things with the right mindset. Our main focus, our main job, our main calling is spreading the gospel message to that world and not in order to gain their praise and their glory, to be slaves to them. So how do you lead the life that the Lord has assigned to you and to which God has called you. We like the 12-step processes, and if, you, if this is your home church, you realize that 
they don't exist. <laughs> Doing five steps, then I'm going to be faithful to Christ. This is how you need to do it, and it's much more simple than that, though it's more difficult in the end, I think. Now, we may be married to an unbeliever. We may have children who don't believe. We may have coworkers, fellow students, friends and family that have yet to hear the gospel message or to see the gospel message truly lived out in their life. As God's people, as His servants, Paul says, we were bought with a price. Our lives were, are, were paid for by Christ Himself. And so do not become slaves of men seeking out their approval, striving to live like them in order to be accepted, accepted by them. Um, just recently, I was at a, a pastor's conference this last week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Awesome, very biblical, um, sitting around in a room of about 750 other pastors singing worship songs, and then having famous guys come up and give us uh, really deep sermons that you could probably only get about half of it because it's so profound and you're like, wow. Now the danger of that at a conference filled with pastors is the pastors sometimes want to be that guy. They want to be the one that's standing on stage and everybody's looking to and saying, give me your wisdom. Give me your wisdom. The temptation to being famous for a pastor or to be well known or to have a blog that everybody goes to or whatever it may be. I mean, there's just so many things. It's a sickness that is part of those who were called to my condition. Does that, that make sense? So I, I, I get it. And I had to wrestle with that even this week. And I had to wrestle with friends of mine this week and just focus on the truth that's being spoken and not trying to make my way up in this world. Well, it's no different wherever you may find yourself. You're wanting to improve your, your lifestyle. You want to you improve um, uh, your, your work environment. You want to be respected in some way. And if I could just do this, or, or I've heard this a lot from kids too, I want to have a YouTube channel that everybody goes to and I become famous and make lots and lots of money. That's like 0.001% of the people on YouTube. You understand that, right? You're welcome, parents. But it, it, that's our tendency, is it not? We want, we want to be well-known. We want to be the one that people come to. We want to improve our status in life. But sometimes in the midst of that, well, I think always in the midst of that, when that starts to take root in our, our lives, we have forgotten that we were bought with a price. And that those things in this world, though good, there's nothing wrong with being well-known. There's nothing well, wrong with being the, the wise one that people go to. The question is, is where is your heart in the midst of that? Because very easily those things, the things of this world, whatever it may be, become, we become slaves to them. And we forget to remain with God. We forget that our calling is to love God and then love others and then to make disciples of the nations. And that doesn't mean we have to go to Zimbabwe 
It probably just means walking across the street. That's way more difficult, I think, than going to Zimbabwe. And Paul is reminding us, go make disciples, remain with God, do not reject God's commands. Live for Him in whatever condition we find ourselves. Glorify God by spreading the good news of His gospel message to whomever He has put in your path. Because let's be honest, there are people that you know I will never meet my entire life. There are people that I know that you will have no relationship ever. And yet God has placed them in our lives so that they may see the gospel lived out, so that they may hear the gospel message from us. And when we get so caught up in the things of this world or my status in life or stature, or because you see, our, is our society not going nuts right now? Like in the name of equality, they're making everyone, they're, they're separating everybody. And you can have your own opinion on it, but the reality is, is as Christians, we don't bother with that. In the sense of, not that it's not important, like, okay, don't hear me like, oh, you could just discriminate whenever you want. It's not a big, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is, as Christians, our focus is not on the here and now. Because guess what? We're all going to die. And we're all going to face judgment. Eternal things matter. Things on this earth matter, but eternal stuff is way more important. And so he says, live for him in whatever condition we find ourselves because God does not make mistakes. I've had a number of conversations with my mom. and She says, I'm, I'm afraid for my grandchildren. She's not afraid for me. I'm a little disturbed by that. But in our society, I'm, I'm afraid for my grandchildren and the life that, uh, that they're going to have to live and the society that they're going to be in and we don't know what it's going to be. And I think every grandparent, I think, thinks that. I'll tell you when I get up there. But I told my mom, I said, Mom, my, my kids, our kids, this generation, whatever generation you find yourself in, you were here on purpose. God does not make mistakes. Steal the whole thing from, from Esther. You were called for such a time as this. So be wise in your doings. Focus your life on Christ. Kids, the world that you are growing up in is very different from the world that I grew up, which is very different from the world that Albert grew up in and, and then his parents and his grandparents. It's just different. It's always changing. And it's hard it's very hard to be faithful to God in the midst of the generation or the world or the society that you're living in, but that does not change our calling to focus on Him and living for Him and saying, God, you made, me a, you made a mistake. You put me in Minnesota. How dare you? Okay, I, I've, I've thought that. Sorry, I love it. But I love you guys, but I've thought that, and God reminds me. You know, you're here for a reason, Mark. Like, I don't make mistakes. God doesn't make any mistakes. We are in the condition we are in because our sovereign God has placed us there. And so here's, here's, here's your one-step process. Live out your calling. 
Are we willing to live out our calling? Are we willing to step out in faith and go across the street to our neighbor? Are we willing to let go of those things that have harmed us and hurt us in the past from, from people who, or a society and to be able to say, you know what, my, my focus is not on that. Yeah, that's painful, that's hard, that's difficult. I am here to worship God and to glorify Him and to spread His gospel message because, you know what, in, in, in this world, this world is going to end. And all the pain and all the sorrow, all the hurts, they're going to be gone. And I want to focus on eternity. And so are we, willing to do the, are we willing to do the hard things? Not for us, not for our glory, not to be seen as wonderful by the world around us, but for the glory of God who created us and saved us. Man, that is easy to say from the front here. And I know that as I've, I've thought this through this week and I've wrestled with my own heart, man, it is, it is hard to step across the street, especially in my neighborhood where everyone's doors are closed, literally closed. How do I live this out? And am I willing to live it out? Am I willing to step out in faith? Am I willing to let people glorify God rather than myself. That I don't do it so that people will like me. I do it so that God may speak to them, open their eyes to the truth of the gospel and believe. And then we got the rest of eternity to continue to get to know each other. Are we willing to do the hard things, whatever that may be in your condition? in your assignment, to live out the calling of glorifying God by speaking and living out the gospel message. Now, if you're looking for a practical step, there is one. So maybe this is step two, (laughs) or maybe one of two. After the service, we're going in there and we're praying for people who don't know Christ in our lives. We're not praying for each other. We're not praying for the church. The focus is going to be on those in our lives. I'm going to pray for for John. I'm going to pray for Sally. I'm going to pray for uh, this family member who's who's not a believer, that God would give me the opportunity to speak the the truth of the gospel message. And maybe maybe you're going to see family soon. For whatever reason, and say, God, give me, open my eyes to that opportunity that I can speak the gospel message. I can live out the gospel message in their midst so that maybe, possibly, by your grace, you would save them. We're starting with prayer. That's that's a practical start, is it not? It's, It's a lot easier in our minds than Going now, what the second step is, that's a little bit more difficult. But but if we're not praying for those around us who don't know Christ, how can we live how can we live it out in good conscience or just even practically? But yet that's his command. Go and make disciples. Love me and love others 
and speak the truth of the gospel message for my glory, he says. Not for yours. For my glory. Father, I pray. Man, this is, this is a heavy, heavy burden, God, that you have called us to. That We so easily, Father, get caught up in ourselves. We get caught up in our desires and our will and our wants. We seek the praise and the glory from the people around us in this world, from unbelievers. God, we want to be known and we want to be seen. And yet you say, no, I want you to be faithful. I want you to be faithful to me. And you let me take care of the rest. Help that, help that sink in our hearts as your people here at Elm Creek, Father. I pray you would open our eyes to the opportunity to be faithful, to live out this truth. And to be content with where you have put us, God. For you have put us there for a reason. You see us, even if the world doesn't. May that be enough for us, God. And may you glorify yourself through us. And as we gather and we pray together, and as we continue to pray as we leave this place, as we pray for those that you have specifically put in our lives, Father, who don't know you, Father, may you, may you give us the opportunity to speak the truth. Because who knows what may happen, Father, you do. Who knows who you will save? Our job, Father, you tell us, is not, is not to worry about how many, but just to be faithful to you. Let us be known as a church, individually and as a people, God, who are faithful to you and striving to become more faithful every single day. We ask this in your name. Amen. Would you stand as we sing our closing song together?